This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I'm excited to be back for another episode. I thank you for joining me. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Uh, I'm excited to get going, so let's do it. We got a big slate of bowl games we got college hoops in full swing although we're going to hit a little bit of a downturn here over the next week until conference play really starts going but we got a lot to talk about today Uh, before i get into all that just a reminder you can find me on social media at gorg on sports same handle across all the platforms twitter instagram tiktok uh love to hear from you there because i want you to be a part of the show so let's get into things today i'm recording this december 23rd just before 10 a.m. There's seven bowl games on the docket today. We're under 10 days from the college ball playoff. We've had a big week of college hoops. There's uh, not a ton of hoops this week, but we're just around the corner from conference play. So a lot going on. But what I want to start with is I want to talk a little bit of college ball playoff and how I'm going to kind of handle that. I'm not ready to necessarily dive deep and discuss my my full handicap of these games yet. I'll do that next week. Got a couple episodes coming out next week when bowl season really gets going with a lot of the bigger name programs, bigger name bowl games uh, that you are kind of accustomed to. That's when things really heat up after Christmas. So I'll kind of get into all of that then. But I want to talk about how I'm handling the college ball playoff in terms of some of the futures that I've already placed. Because if you've been following this show all year, if you've been listening to me, if you've been following me on social media, you know that before the season, I was very high on Michigan. I placed a bet on Michigan at 10 to 1 to win the national championship. I placed that bet back in June, June 11th is when I put that one in the tracker here. And if you're not familiar with my tracker, go to my Twitter. It's pinned at the top. You can see every single bet that I have made over the course of this college football and college basketball season. You can follow along with me there. It's a great place to see everything that I'm doing from a gambling perspective. But I put that Michigan bet in back in June, 10 to 1. Put a unit on Michigan at 10 to 1 to win the national title. I thought they were the best team before the season. For most of the season, I've thought they are the best team, and uh, I've had that future in my back pocket. And then, as the season progressed, again, if you've been following me for a long time, you knew that I, you know, that I wasn't super high on Texas coming into the year. I had questions about Quinn Yours. I had questions about how they were going to replace guys like Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who were such dynamic threats. And as the season started to progress, I, I saw that they were really adequately answering those questions. And that defense was just maybe it was one of the best in the country. It was worlds better than I, it's not that I thought they weren't going to be a good defense. It's that before the season, I don't think I gave enough credit to just how good that defense and that defensive line in particular is. And so uh, I I put in a bet just before Red River on Texas to win the national title, 11 to one, a unit on that. And my thinking there was if they beat Oklahoma, they have such a clear path the rest of the way that those odds are going to be much, much worse than 11 to one. They could go down to seven to one, five to one, something like that. So I wanted to get in on it then. Well, they lost Red River to Oklahoma the odds shoot up to 20 to one. So I still coming out of that game liked Texas a lot. 
And I was like, let me grab a little bit more on Texas. So I went in another half unit, this time at 20 to 1. So going into the college ball playoff, I have a future bet on Michigan at 10 to 1 to win the national title, a future bet on Texas at 11 to 1 to win the national title, and a future bet on Texas at 20 to 1 to win the national title. So if we end up with a Texas-Michigan uh, national championship game, then I'm guaranteed to make some money here. So I've been thinking about how can I handle this? Is there what else can I do? Is there a way to semi hedge this where I'm guaranteeing myself to make some money, but I still have a, the possibility of a big payday. And, you know, I, I've been looking at it from a bunch of different angles and I don't think there's necessarily a textbook way to hedge this. I don't think there's a textbook way to hedge out of it. And I'm not necessarily that interested in hedging so hard where I'm just guaranteeing myself a little bit of money. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I am trying to take a big shot here when I place these future bets. And uh, that's part of the fun of it is I want to hit something big. I want to have something to root for where I can really get a big winner there. And that's kind of the position that I put myself in. But I would like to win a little something for getting so close on those. So the way I've decided to handle this, it's kind of a semi-hedge, and it's based a little bit on my handicap around that Texas-Washington game. And Texas, as it stands right now, is about a four, four-and-a-half, five-point favorite in that game. Let's see, I got FanDuel pulled up right now. FanDuel in Maryland, Texas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, minus 172 on the money line, Washington plus plus 142 in that game. And as I look at that game, I think Texas is the better team. I think Texas has the advantage in almost every area of this game. But there's one area that I think Washington really matches up well, and it's those Washington receivers versus the Texas secondary. It's the Washington passing game versus the Texas pass defense. It's an area where Texas has had a lot of issues this year, or I shouldn't say a lot of issues, but whenever they have had issues defensively, it hasn't been because of the front seven. It hasn't been because of the ability to stop the run. It's been because of that back end. And I think that's something Washington can really take advantage of. So I think Texas is better than Washington in every facet of the game. But I think that's a really, really good matchup for Washington. It's what Washington does well versus what Texas does not do well. It's the uh, it's the unstoppable f- force versus the movable object. So uh, from that perspective, I think Washington does have a chance to win this game. Ironically enough, I would feel very confident about Texas in a Texas-Alabama national championship game. I would actually still, at, at this point, I think if Texas and Michigan were to match up in the national championship game, I would bet on Texas, and we can get more into that if that happens, but I I just like the well-roundedness of Texas compared to what appears to be the one dimensionality of Michigan. I think Michigan has more in them. I'm still a fan of JJ McCarthy, but over the course of this season, 
Texas has shown they can win more games in more ways than Michigan has. And, and I, I have a lot to say on Michigan and how they handled this season, season and what they've shown with McCarthy, what they've allowed him to do, because I think he's a very, very good quarterback. I think you saw it in the Ohio State game, and, and we can get all it. We'll get much more into all of this next week when we really break down these two CFP games. But I would bet especially as an underdog, Texas against Michigan right now, because I think they're the more well-rounded team. I just, that matchup, that Washington passing attack, Michael Penix and those receivers, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, those guys, uh, McMillan, those guys scare me against that Texas pass defense. So I, I wanted to find a way here, given that, to, to hedge this at least a little bit. I didn't want to be sitting there with a, you know, I just didn't want to be sitting there empty-handed, but I still wanted to give myself a chance to, to hit big. So what I did, what I decide, how I decided to play this, was I put down earlier this week a one-unit bet on Washington to win the national championship at 7-1. to one. So the way this all plays out, I've bet two and a half total units on national championships at this point. I had bet, uh, I never ended up betting Oregon to win the national. Oh yeah, I did. I ended up betting them nine to one, but we'll exclude that for now. We'll just with what I have, what I have in play right now, I have two and a half units down on national championship futures. So if Michigan wins the title, uh, at 10 to one odds, I would net out seven and a half units. If Texas wins the national title, I would net out 19 units. And now with this Washington bet, if Washington wins a national title, I would win four and a half units. So essentially what I'm doing here now is if anybody but Alabama wins, I'm going to have a pretty nice payday with Texas being the biggest payoff here. So that's kind of how I'm playing this. And I do feel comfortable betting against Alabama because I actually think, despite what the odds say, I am not nearly as high on this Alabama team as a lot of people are. I would I would rank them fourth out of four in this playoff. I I look what they did against Georgia was impressive, no doubt about it. But I don't think you can discount the body of work over the course of the season. A lot of people talk about, well, Alabama improved a lot since the Texas game, and no doubt they did. But Texas also improved a lot since the Alabama game. The Texas team that I saw playing the last couple of weeks against Texas Tech, against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, I think is a much better team than the one that went into Tuscaloosa and took it to Alabama back earlier in the season. I think that Michigan is, I still like Michigan better than Alabama. They're a one and a half point favorite in that game. And Washington while the defense is not on Alabama's level, Washington does one thing better than Alabama does any one thing. So I am comfortable here taking a shot against Alabama, the four seed in this tournament, but seemingly when you hear people talk about this tournament, the team that everybody is scared to bet against, I am going to take my shot against Alabama here. And if I end up losing on them, then so be it. If it ends up being a Texas Alabama national championship game. Yeah. Maybe I find a way to hedge a little bit more 
and, uh, you know, guarantee myself something because the alternative would be either win 19 units or win no units. So I'd have to think about that if the time comes. But at this moment, I am very, very, very comfortable taking a shot against uh, against Alabama, given the bets that I already have out there. And, and I feel like that Washington way, that Washington bet is just something to give me a, another option for making sure I come out profitable here. But much more on that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Next week, let's get into today's bowl slate. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Seven games today, not a ton that are super catching my eye here. Uh, I am not going to sit here and just give out picks just to give out picks if I don't believe in them. So there is one game I've already bet. I feel really good about. Uh, I want to talk about it. There's another that... I got to see what the latest odds are before I decide whether I'm actually going to go with it or not. And I think, uh, yeah, okay, it's there at the number I want, so I'm, I am going to go with it. Uh, so I got two games that I'm going to play today that I'm going to bet today, and the rest I'm going to stay away from. And and honestly, if again, if you followed me all year, that's I don't bet every game just to bet every game. I don't pick every game just to pick every game. Throughout the college football season, I'm – up 31 units i'm up nine units when betting totals i'm up nearly eight units when betting on the spread i did my weekly money line parlay of the week i'm up almost 11 units on that i'm up almost seven units on futures and it's not because i'm just indiscriminately going out there and picking every game so i'm staying away from these games five of these games is I don't have a strong opinion on them. I don't have a strong opinion on Arkansas state, Northern Illinois, for example, Georgia state, Utah state. And uh, so I'm just going to stay away from them. I'm going to stick to the games that I, I want to, that I really have strong feelings on that I have an opinion on. And then that's, what's worked for me this year. So I'm going to stick with it as we get deeper and deeper into bowl season here. So the game, the first game that I saw this, I liked it. I knew I was betting it is the James Madison air force game, the arm, forces bowl in fort worth texas and the way i am playing this one is i am taking the air force money line here i took it earlier this week it was a plus 104 when i took it i get you the latest odds right now what are the latest odds in that one uh now it's now it's even okay there's still a plus 103 out there on bet rivers so plus 103 is what the the best number you can get now. Uh, It's essentially an even game, but I really like Air Force in this game. First, this James Madison staff has been absolutely demolished by the fact that Kurt Signetti, their head coach, left to go to Indiana. He took the Indiana head coaching job, and he has taken a bunch of head, a bunch of assistants with him to Indiana. 
JMU actually had to hire some temporary coaches to get through the bowl game. They also have a ton of guys in the transfer portal. Now they're, they're starting quarterback, Jordan McLeod, great player in the Sun Belt this season. He is in the transfer portal, but he will start the game. But they have a ton of other guys in the portal. And one of the things that JMU was very, very strong at this year, which bodes really well, typically when you're playing a service academy team like Air Force, is they were great at stopping the run. But when you dig into who's leaving, who's in the transfer portal, who's not playing this game for them, a lot of their defensive guys are in the portal. A bunch of linebackers, a bunch of defensive linemen, a bunch of defensive linemen. And that really concerns me against an Air Force team that now is going to, it looks like is going to return their starting quarterback, Zach Larrier, for this game. He was out at the end of the season. Uh, one of the reporters that covers Air Force, his name is Brent Brigman. He's out in Colorado Sp- Springs covering Air Force football. He tweeted out yesterday that he asked about the availability of Zach Larrier and a couple other players for the game. And Troy Calhoun, Air Force's head coach, said, quote, each was able to practice each day since we've been here. So I think they ought to be ready to roll, end quote. So it looks like Larrier is going to be good to go for that this game, which I think is a big boon for them. And then you look back at Air Force's history. They've won their last four bowl games. Dating back to the 2016 Arizona Bowl, they have won each of their last four bowl games under Troy Calhoun. Typically, you think about the triple, you think about uh, some of these these rushing attacks or these unique attacks. It doesn't necessarily have to be a rushing attack, but some of these unique schemes that you don't see on a week-in and week-out basis. And you think, okay, in a bowl game, it's a lot easier to prepare for them. And that's not necessarily the case here. Air Force, very, very good history in bowl games, 4-0 in Troy Calhoun's last four bowl games. So for all of those reasons, I like Air Force in this one. I I like Air Force in this one. If Signetti hadn't left, if they didn't have all these transfer portal departures, things might be different for sure. But that's the the nature of bowl season right now is you have to take all those things into account. So I like the Air Force money line. I got it at plus 104. Best I see here is plus 103. Uh, So I am playing Air Force in this one. The other game that I like on the day is the Las Vegas Bowl between Northwestern and Utah. And how I'm playing this one is under 42. And look, this one is not complicated. These are two teams that both did not move the ball well this year. They did not move the ball well at all throughout the season. Um, Utah's offensive issues have been have been pretty well documented over the course of the season. We expected a ton from Utah. Cam Rising doesn't end up playing this year due to injury. He will be back next year. Uh, they are going to have in this game their starting quarterback, uh, Bryson Barnes, a guy who came on and, and played admirably, I would say, over the course of the year for Utah, but you know, is still that offense is still limited. He's going to go in the transfer portal. He is going to play in this game. So they will have him for this game. Uh, but this is just a, a Utah offense 
that has underachieved probably isn't the right word because it's hard to expect a ton without cam rising but it just hasn't been a good offense this season on the flip side they've they're a really good defense a really really good defense and they have been all season long and from a northwestern perspective you know this is the kind of game northwestern's used to playing in the big 20 in the big 10 west this is nothing new for Northwestern when you talk about getting down and dirty playing grinded out games I mean you look at some of the games they played this season a 10-7 loss to Iowa a 24-10 win over Wisconsin a 23-15 win over Purdue a 17-9 loss to Nebraska this is where they they're comfortable in this they're they are very comfortable in this scenario so I expect this game to be exactly what you would think of when you think of a Big Ten West game because Utah was, for all intents and purposes, a Big Ten West team this year. A really great defense, unlimited offense, and you know it was an offense that was limited uh, in large part because of injury. It wasn't like they, were, they weren't trying to, to put something, put a dynamic offense out there. They were just very, very limited due to injury so at under 42 i think that's the easy play to make in this game i'm going under 42 on utah northwestern in this one that's all i got for the bowl games i want to wrap things up today by talking a little bit of college hoops here and we've had a an interesting couple weeks here we had purdue getting big win over arizona a Saturday ago, and then in the interim, in that week between, we've had a bunch of upsets. We've seen a bunch of big-time teams go down. In the Big East, we saw Marquette go down to Providence uh, on the road. We saw UConn lose a game and uh, to Seton Hall on the road. We saw Creighton lose to Villanova, and that's just in the Big East alone. So we've seen some of these. We've seen some of these big upsets. Uh, we've seen some big matchups in the midweek. We had kind of a, a mini Big 12 ACC challenge here. We had North Carolina and Oklahoma and Baylor Duke on the same night. The two Carolina schools came out on top in that one. It's been a very interesting week and a, and a very interesting month, first month and a half or so of the season as we're trying to piece together who is what in college basketball right now. And I'm not going to talk about Purdue a ton right now because – I think they I think they're very good. I think they have established themselves as very good. They've beaten anybody you can ask them to beat except their lone loss to Northwestern, but they've played a tough schedule. They've beaten uh, a ton of good teams and I think they are very clearly one of those teams at the top tier of the sport. I think Arizona is also right there at that top tier of the sport. We're trying to figure out who else is there. And a team that I really like right now, and I want to talk about today a little bit, is Houston. Now, Houston is a team that the computers will love right now. They're number one in Ken Palm, in Bart Torvik. I, I believe they are number one as well. Yeah, they're number one as well. But in Torvik, if you just start with, you take all the preseason stuff out of it, you just start with what's actually been done on the court, they're still number one. They're number one in, in by that measure ahead of Purdue. They have the number one adjusted defensive efficiency. They're in the top 30 in offensive efficiency at number 29, and they've been really impressive. The catch with Houston 
is they haven't quite played the schedule that some of these other top teams have. They haven't played the schedule that Purdue has, that Kansas has, that Baylor even has. And Baylor might be a step down from them. Not quite sure yet because Baylor has played a much tougher schedule. But the the point being here that it's a little hard to figure out exactly where Houston is because they haven't quite played the schedule. Now, I don't want to make it out to to seem like they've played a a complete cupcake schedule. They've played Utah and Dayton. Those are top 40 teams in Ken Palm. They've played Xavier. Xavier's sitting at, Xavier has not had a great start to the year, but, you know, it's still a Sean Miller coach team. It's uh, a, it's, um, my point is that it's not like they're ducking in their scheduling by any means. They just, some of these teams haven't, quite lived up to expectations like like Xavier they played Texas A&M in a really good game last Saturday and Texas A&M while a top 25 team in Ken Palm also has four losses uh there to FAU Virginia Memphis and Houston so no bad losses there they also have a win over Ohio State but Texas A&M hasn't necessarily you know you would like to see when you play a team like Texas A&M you'd probably prefer that they don't have three losses when you meet them they haven't played the gauntlet that Purdue has played with Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette, Alabama, Arizona. No, they haven't played that. So that's what makes Houston a little bit tricky. But if there's one thing that I know about Houston, and there's one thing that I've seen with Houston in the times that they have wa- I've watched them this season, particularly that Texas A&M game, they are a great defensive team. They are a, a always been a great defensive team under Kelvin Sampson it's it's one of those things you can just hang your hat on is that Houston is gonna make your life miserable when you play them that they are a really good defensive team and nothing is going to come easy for you if you just look back at Kelvin Sampson's tenure at Houston and let's just look at the last I don't know let's call it the last five years for example so this year they are number one in adjusted defensive efficiency right now on Ken Palm last year they were number five nationally the year before number eight 2021 number nine and 2020 they were number 21 so in the last four years they've been in the top 10 every year before that they were number 21 this is what this program is all about it's about defense this is what they do and they're doing it again this year now what i think is interesting and the numbers don't necessarily reflect it right now because when you look at their adjusted offensive efficiency they're number 16 in the country and in last year they were number 11 the year before that they were number 10 and in 2021 they were number seven but I actually think this team has more potential offensively than some of these teams in years past and I've talked about it a lot on this show where Houston has come up short in the NCAA tournament it's been from beyond the arc in Houston's NCAA tournament losses three-point shooting is what has really held them back In the Sweet 16 last year against Miami, they go 9 of 31, 29% from three. Not terrible, but not great. The year before that, and this is a game I come back to all the time, was an Elite Eight game against Villanova where they went 1 of 20 from three. Kyler Edwards goes 0 of 8. Jamal Shedd goes 0 of 5. That is what killed them in that game. A six-point loss, a 50-44 to 44 loss to Villanova. 
they held Villanova to 0.86 points per possession in this game, which is fantastic, fantastic defensively. But they could not hit an outside shot in this game, and it really, really cost them. It cost them big time in that game, in that Elite Eight game. And uh, and then the year before that, it's the year they went to the Final Four against, and they played Baylor in the Final Four, they went six of 19 from three. Now it's a much better, almost 32% from three, but still not fantastic. Six and 19 is, I don't think anybody's signing up saying, Hey, let's go six and 19 for three, but it's that Villanova game. I come back to all the time. And that's, what's really cost them in the NCAA tournament is the lack of ability to hit shots from the outside and they've never been a terrible three-point shooting team when you just look at it you look at their percentages like last year they were 34 percent shooting 34 percent three-point shooting team 174th nationally the year uh 2022 they were right around the same 33.8 171 nationally so it's never been absolutely terrible where you look at it and you're like this team can't shoot at all but it's something that has held them back in big moments and i think for them the addition of LJ Cryer this year, the Baylor transfer, played three years at Baylor, uh, transferred over to Houston. I think he has been huge for them. He's a guy who last year at Baylor shot over 41% from three on almost 200 attempts. And now this year at Houston, he's shooting almost 39% from three. He already has over 100 attempts on the season. He's 40 for 103 on the season. I think having a a guy like LJ Cryer can really elevate them in the tournament. You look at another guy on their team, another guard, Emmanuel Sharp. He's a sophomore uh, and he looks like he's taken a really big step up in non-conference play so far this season. Not necessarily, it's not necessarily that he's shooting a much better percentage from three last year. He was uh, just under 35% this year. He's just over 35%, albeit he's shooting a lot more, but overall he's becoming a, a more efficient player. He's a more efficient player than he was last year. And it's another scoring threat for this team in that Texas A&M game. He did go five of 13 from three. And he's a guy that was just making big shots in that, that game. So I think I really like what they have at the guard spot right now where they have this ability to play. It almost reminds me of Baylor last year, but with a lot, lot, lot more defense where they, they have, I was always calling it Baylor's three headed monster. Now they have this three headed monster with Jamal shed LJ crier and Emmanuel sharp. But then you add to it the fact that this is the single best defensive team in the country. This is a team that forces turnovers. This is a team that, always rebounds well it's a team that always offensive rebounds well and gives you second chances and I really like this Houston team I think this Houston team has a ton to offer and might be able might have a different dimension that it's had in years past when it hasn't quite been able to get over the hump and and win that national title they've been to a final four they've been super consistent they've been to elite eight sweet 16s over the past five years and I'd have to think about this a little bit more, but it's certainly Gonzaga right up there at the top. Kansas has to be right there as well, but it's probably Gonzaga. It's probably Gonzaga, 
Kansas, and Houston as the three most consistent programs since, let's call it since the the COVID shortened season of 2020. I th- I feel pretty comfortable with that. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. I guess Purdue would be up there at least over the past. Really, they've taken a step up the last two years. We'll have this conversation another day. I think it's an interesting one and one worth having. Maybe not in season, maybe out of season. My point being, Houston has been right there. Houston has been super consistent. But three-point shooting, outside shooting, and the offense in general has kind of let them down and just been what has been holding them back from getting over that hump. And it's really hard to win a national championship. Everything has to go right. You have to be a really well-rounded team. I always talk about it. You got to win left-handed. And I feel like with the addition of LJ Cryer, with Emmanuel Sharp stepping up, and then having that experienced guy in Jamal Shedd who has been there year in and year out at point guard, I really like the way this team is shaping up i like what they have to offer so i do have a bet i have a point on all this i'm betting houston i'm betting houston to win the big 12 here i can get them at plus 250 to win the big 12 regular season i can get them at plus 250 i'm gonna bet a unit on them and i'm gonna take a little bit of a shot here against kansas because everybody says like you're crazy to bet against kansas in the big 12 right and That's true, no doubt. They have been the class of this conference. They are one of the top five teams almost every year in college basketball. And they went through that incredible stretch where they won 14 straight Big 12 regular season titles. But the past couple years, with how good this conference has been, there have been other teams that have stepped up and won the title. In 2019, Kansas State and Texas Tech wins it. Uh, they, They share that Big 12 regular season title. Kansas wins it in 2020. In 2021, Baylor wins it. In 22, Baylor and Kansas share it. And then last year, Kansas won it. So it does happen. Other teams can step up and win this. And we haven't seen Houston go through a gauntlet like the Big 12. It's certainly a big step up from the American. We haven't seen them go through it. But I think this team is built to go through a grind like that, to go through a schedule like that. And they're certainly going to take losses because everybody's going to take losses in that league. But I like this Houston team. And if they lose, I'm just looking ahead at their schedule here, they start conference play with West Virginia at home on January 6th. And then they have a game at Iowa State. They have back-to-back road games at Iowa State and at TCU January 9th and January 13th. If they lose one of those games, I am going to look to hit them again because the odds are going to go up. And it wouldn't say, I mean, obviously you got to take into account what happens in those games. You've got to watch them. You got to see what happens with your own eyes. But to me, losing a game at Iowa State is not something that's not an excluding factor for me. That's going to happen in the Big 12. You're going to lose road games like that. And I trust Kelvin Sampson. I trust this defense. And I think they have more on offense, even if the numbers don't necessarily reflect it quite yet, that can carry them when times get tough, when they are struggling to score, when they are struggling to shoot. I think they have more guys that can they can turn to and say, hey, we need a bucket. Let's go get one. So I really like this Houston team right now, and I like them at plus 250 
to win the Big 12. I'm going to be looking to see if those odds go up a little bit if they lose one of those two road games in early January to either Iowa State or TCU. That's our show for today. I will be back next week with a lot more. I'll be coming back Tuesday afternoon to record something because that's when a lot of these bowl games, when bowl season really heats up. We got three bowls on Tuesday that I won't have a chance to really talk about. But then Wednesday, the 27th, a huge slate. Got four games that day. And then the 28th, another four. The 29th, another four. So there's a lot going on. And then you have the weekend where we get into uh, a big day. Saturday, January 1st is going to be a packed day with those college ball playoff games and uh, some other New Year's New Year's six games. So I will be back Tuesday to talk about some of those midweek games. And then I will do another episode before the college ball playoff where we really dig deep into those games as well. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, Enjoy it. Enjoy the time off. Enjoy the football. And until next time, keep the girl hot and the cooler cold. 